Snoozing, your one-stop shop for the stories, secrets, and shenanigans of a popcorn-fueled theme park journalist. I'm Carly Wiesel, and I lovingly scrubbed out my new Kite Tales popcorn bucket yesterday, so you know I'm ready to bring it back to Disney World when I return in a matter of days. I'm now realizing I shouldn't have said that out loud because it is questionably illegal. I think you're only supposed to use it on length of stay, but if I'm only coming home for five days between Florida trips, it's totally kosher, right? Right? Oh my God, am I going to be thrown in Disney jail? I don't want to go to Disney jail. Anyway, (laughs) moving away from me incriminating myself, this is the very first inaugural mishmash episode named after the soup you can get at Jewish delis. Yes, usually people refer to something like this as kitchen sink, which is typically used for a multiple scoop of ice cream sundae at ice cream joints. But at a Jewish deli, they call it mishmash. And you get basically chicken broth with everything from noodles or rice to a matzo ball to kreplach, which is basically just a beefy dumpling. All of it mishmashed in there in one. And that's what this episode is going to be. So in expanding Very Amusing Seasons from, you know, 12-ish episodes to as many as we can do before I leave the country on a vacation. So this week is one of those where I have multiple topics I just want to get through and talk to you about. And then next week, we will be back with a very, very special interview. Oh my gosh, the rest of this month, the rest of the next few weeks are absolutely stacked. So I'm thrilled I'm able to carve out this little mishmash episode so we can get into some stuff I want to talk about before I basically hand the reins over to people who are super talented, super cool, and super familiar to you. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. But stick around because we have so much to discuss this week and it's going to be phenomenal. When everyone is on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said. Done. Welcome back to our Mishmash episode. It's a bit of a trip report, a little bit of an insider's look at a nutty trip cross country, and essentially a recap of things I'm thinking, feeling, and what it's like at the parks right now coast to coast with so much coming back online. We begin at Disney's Coronado Springs, where I stayed on this recent trip, and I have a lot to get off my chest about this hotel, even though I've stayed there many, many times. It's been a minute, and I just gotta say, if they ever wanted to reshoot the film Labyrinth, they could surely do it here, because that place has the most convoluted naming numbering room system I've ever seen. I've never gotten so turned around and lost, save for one specific trip at Port Orleans Riverside, where I just could not find my room and needed assistance. I've never struggled as much as I do to find where my room is at Coronado Springs. I don't know what it is. 
about those buildings where they all look different but exactly the same. I was on the fourth floor this day of casitas. And casitas are supposed to be like the closer one, the easier one, the less confusing one. No, no, my friends. No, no, no. I went a different route to my room every day. I found a, a faster route, like the eighth time I finally went to my room. Those rooms are indistinguishable from each other. And I'm convinced like if you dropped me in there, Legends of the Hidden Temple style, I would never find my way out. I would never find it to that brass monkey or whatever the heck that thing was. The rooms were redone a few years back, so I will give them praise for that. Interiors are good. They're not as like silly and dated as they once were in recent memory. But I gotta tell you, I really don't love being on an external walkway. And I think part of that is because I travel alone, so it feels deeply unsafe. But I also feel so exposed. You know what I mean? Like, like your window out into the world is of one is of a person just walking past your room, peering in on your little life. And I don't really love that. I feel so exposed that I always close the drapes and then I'm just in darkness every night and every morning. And I just, it's not, it's not a good feel. The rooms now are nice to be in. The bathroom redone is so good with the closet and it It's nice. There's a lot of storage. There's a lot of stuff. It's very nice. I still got a tiny little bottle of lotion, so I was pleased. But I don't know. The vibes are the vibes are off, save from the design. It just feels a little like you're never gonna make it out of your room back to the lobby because it's so far away and so confusing. Now back in the new main lobby, which is where Grandestino Tower is. I find it very funny that they have those future elevators, which, again, I've stayed in Grandestino Tower before. I do really, really like Grandestino Tower, but it's just hilarious to me because I haven't used one of these elevators in, what, like a a year and a half, two years? It's a long time, and I know they're efficient, and I enjoy using them because I know how to use them, but why? Just why? Why are we making grandparents learn an entirely new elevator system just to go downstairs and get a Pinot? You know what I mean? They're not for everyone. And if you understand them, they're quick and breezy and very convenient. But if you don't, good luck getting your whole family in one of those before time runs out. Now, the only other place I've ever encountered these future elevators was at Hearst Tower when I was interning at Esquire, which makes sense. We're talking a a New York City business. We have hundreds and hundreds of people arriving at the same time who need to go to about 20 different floors. It makes people go to their offices and go to their desks more quickly. So for efficiency's sake, and I guess for profits to get people to their desks, it makes sense. But for Grandestino Tower to have people go truly just downstairs to the rest of the resort or upstairs to some rooms... I think it's a little funny. I mean, I love using them, but I think it's a little funny. Still, great vibe going on at that hotel. Great vibe at Grand Casino Tower. It is a beautiful arrival. It's like something, it's like a rendering come to life. Just pulling up at that driveway is so nice, so luxurious. I love it so much. And I will say, the size of that place is really a benefit. There was a cheerleading conference while we were there, and we didn't even really see them. It's so big that it kind of sucks up and holds so many people that the conference people or the Exmo people or whatever's happening there don't really take away from the vacation vibe, which I really appreciate and is possibly one of the only negatives I have for my ride or die hotel, the Walt Disney World Swan and Dolphin. I dig it there, but man, oh man, (laughs) heed my warning and block out more time for you to find your room. Now, if you follow me on social media, you know I spent most of my trip with my friends and colleagues, Brooke McDonald and Shay Spence. And Brooke and I, our first night, got drinks at the Dahlia Lounge. 
This is the bar at the top of Grand Destino Tower at Disney's Coronado Springs Resort. I'd previously eaten at Toledo tapas, steak, and seafood. Uh, part of that absolutely infuriating SEO name structure that Disney began to employ a few years back, which I understand if you're searching tapas Orlando, you want your restaurant to come up. Hate saying it out loud, though. Uh, but I really didn't love that restaurant, and I have not been back since, which I think proves that it. Uh, I didn't think it was that great. And restaurants like that are expensive. So not worth the money. If you're spending money on a big meal at Disney World, you want it to be exceptional. You were on vacation, you were spending a lot of money, and I'm never going to steer you the wrong way. So Brooke coaxed me into getting a drink at the adjacent bar, which I told her like the runoff feelings I had from the restaurant next door kind of affected my uh, my perception of the bar, to which she said, they're completely different. And I said, yes, I know, but I still feel strongly. Uh, but she convinced me. And I'm glad she did because it was a really nice experience. Uh, they were open super late. I think they were open until midnight. They had these really comfy couches to sprawl on. But take note that they only had about six sets of them. So if you're going at a busy time or for sunset or like before 10.30 p.m., (laughs) unlike us, take note because it might be really tricky to get one of them and it might be a wait. I ordered a gin and tonic, which was was pretty good. It was fine. It had a lot of bitter lemon in it, which wasn't my favorite, but it was fine. Uh, I ordered two appetizers. One was an off-menu bowl of olives, and they gave us a lot of olives and fried artichokes. Both were pretty good. Again, um, I had minor issues with each. Neither were the best I've had in my life. But when your options are limited at nighttime and the view is fabulous and you have somewhere really great to sit with a friend, it was wonderful. I had a good time. So I guess in that respect, Brooke was right. But also the fried artichokes had little little raspberries on them and like a raspberry. I feel like they would say it's a raspberry coulis, but it was really just like raspberry syrup. Weird. Weird, weird, weird. Didn't, did not need to be on there. God, I ate so much Spanish food on this trip. Huh. Anyway... <laughs> The other highlight of Disney's Coronado Springs doesn't come from their grab-and-go coffee shop, which I'm quite partial to, by the way, but from a magical Disney moment in and of itself. I left my room for dinner one night, obviously running a few minutes late, and out of the corner of my eye, as I approached what used to be the lobby of Disney's Coronado Springs, which is now turned into like a conferency weighty area, which is actually very nice. They did a really good job redoing it. Out of the corner of my eye, I spotted Goofy. I spotted Goofy. And I just started running. <laughs> I just took off sprinting. I had to see Goofy. Pluto was there too, which like great, but Goofy was there. Now, Disney characters are known to kind of pop by the resorts as part of the 50th anniversary. They're wearing their special little 50th costumes, their little outfits, and they travel from hotel to hotel in little surprise moments. But I'd weirdly only seen them at Grand Floridian while passing through. So to see them here just casually meeting guests outside, so not in the front of the hotel, not in Grand Casino Tower, but outside at Coronado Springs, my soul left my body and I completely lost it. The reason why is because I was only going to be in Animal Kingdom and Magic Kingdom on this trip for the most part. So hugging Goofy was not a guarantee. It looked like it wasn't going to happen. And I'm so happy I got to. I'm so weirdly happy about it because this is coming from a woman who, until last week, until the moment she hugged a character again, didn't think she would ever want to hug a character again. So to back up, to give you context, as we know, Hugs are now back, or technically speaking, in uh, terms that PR will approve of. Hugs were scheduled to return as early as April 18th at Walt Disney World and Disneyland Resort. Not everything is back, not every character experience has returned, but you can finally hug a character, which is a huge change from the past two years. 
I started out our day in Animal Kingdom last week being like, these are all the reasons why I don't think I want to hug a character. And I was like, it would feel weird. I haven't done it in so long. I'm scared of getting a, a no runny nose or a cold from hugging this character. I don't know. You know, like hugging a hugging a family member, hugging a stranger. You get a little nervous about it. I was like, what if, I don't know, what if Minnie Mouse like gives me a cold? I'm a little scared about it. But then I started hugging characters and I'll tell you, I truly could not stop. I remember after the first one we hugged, which was uh, both characters from Brother Bear, I just like ran back up to Brooke and just felt like uh, I really had a new spring in my step. It was a life experience that I felt like I had never had before that really changed me on a chemical level. So if you at all are feeling a little unsure about how how quickly you want to jump back into the hugging game, just know, just jump in. Jump in arms first because you are going to love it. And it was really nice. It was just really nice. It was so nice. Oh, it was so nice to talk to characters and have a greeting with them and interact with them. Oh, it was wonderful. It was truly, truly wonderful. Highly recommend. Anyone who's uttered the words Genie Plus knows firsthand that vacations require time, money, planning, energy. And if you put all that effort into enjoying your trip already, why not extend the highlights of that getaway into your everyday with FrameBridge? Put that vintage Epcot ticket up in your office and give it a little personality. Surprise your kid with their favorite character's autograph immortalized on the wall of their room. FrameBridge makes it so easy and affordable to custom frame any photo, park map, or even cocktail napkin from a theme park hotel bar in just minutes. You can mock up exactly what it'll look like on their website before you even spend a dime. Things ship fast and they ship for free, and their colorful custom framing means they'll not only help you plan your gallery wall, but make sure your place looks cooler than the interiors of that mid-century modern home within Spaceship Earth. I love the mementos I framed with FrameBridge so much that I rearranged my entire office so I can enjoy them daily. This is not a bit. This is this is true life. They're the backdrop to my podcast Zoom interviews, my Instagram stories, and even the goofy photos we take of Pearl tip-tapping away at my keyboard like she's a miniature employee. Too often, our favorite memories of a vacation are tucked inside our phone or shoved within a drawer. And it thrills me to no end that because of FrameBridge, I can finally be surrounded by my memories. FrameBridge makes custom framing easy, affordable, and enjoyable. And on top of that, their happiness guarantee ensures that no matter what, you'll wind up with something you love. To get started, head to FrameBridge.com, because your precious travel memories shouldn't have to stay in the past. That's FrameBridge.com. But enough about characters, because one thing I do want to discuss from my trip that I didn't mention too much on social media yet is the grand opening of Salt and Straw, which is now open and scooping at Disney Springs. For anyone who's not familiar, Salt and Straw is an artisanal ice cream company based out of Portland that now has, I believe, 27 locations nationwide. I used to live down the block from one in Venice, so I really didn't understand how regional they truly are, despite how much their numbers have grown in recent years. They're really only located throughout California, in Portland, in the SF Bay Area, Seattle, and Miami. A few years back, they opened at Downtown Disney and Disneyland and Anaheim and are now officially at Disney Springs at Walt Disney World, bringing their unique flavors coast to coast. 
We had the opportunity to chat with Kim and Tyler Malik, who run the company, about their process and their work. And it's really so cool how dedicated they are. Specifically, Tyler, who talked at length about the flavors and the high quality ingredients and everything that goes into creating these ice creams. There is no corner cutting here, which is a stark difference from, I don't know, a lot of the kind of prepackaged frozen treats you tend to get at Walt Disney World. Now, 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 before you turn off this podcast, I am not dumb enough to knock a Mickey premium ice cream bar or Dole Whip or even vanilla soft serve, which is perfection at a hot Disney park. But It's really nice to have this specialty ice cream purveyor plopped in the middle of a resort that mostly focuses on pineapple froyo, which I love, which I love. But variety, people. It's just nice to have more dessert options to choose from when you're at Disney Springs. And not just because I know Molly over at All Years is going to make one heck of a Gideon's Cookie Salt and Straw ice cream sandwich mashup, and I cannot wait to see what flavors she pairs together. But this stuff is so different from what else you can find resort-wide, which is why I'm personally pretty thrilled about it. If we had another type of soft serve, I might not be into it. There is that new swirls on the water, Dole Whip stand at Disney Springs. But having this high-end quality, truly small business at Disney Springs is something that I'm happy to champion and I want to discuss with you all personally. We had the ability to try almost every flavor they sell, which was an exceptional opportunity when it comes to recommending what to get, but a challenge for one woman in the middle of a day who only brought a single lactate. But I persevered. It was incredible and a testament to their flavors that I really couldn't stop myself from eating them. The good news is you can kind of do the same when you visit because they allow for unlimited samples. I'm talking unlimited Samples. You can sample whatever you like. Remember, this is 2022. A lot of samples have gone by the wayside. You know what I mean? And here, they're living it up. Their flavors are so intriguing and made from really unique, really high-end quality ingredients. So the friendly employees there will help you out and happily break down what's in them, suggest what you should get, and help you find the perfect scoop. Now, there are uh, there's a rotational seasonal menu filled with wacky flavors. Trust me, wacky. Uh, Sometimes in October, they have bugs. In November, it is a Thanksgiving meal menu. But now that I've tried almost all of the core flavors, I've singled out some favorites. Sea salt with caramel ribbons was one that I had never had before because I thought it would be kind of basic. Listen, I'm sorry because I was very wrong. Tyler explained to us that it's not sweet and salty that makes a perfect caramel, but Sweet, salty, and savory. And this hand-burned caramel and Guatemalan salt from this place called The Meadow, which is a specialty salt store, a real thing, don't know how they afford rent, but it's real, that I once visited in the West Village when I lived nearby in New York. But it is so different from any caramel ice cream you've ever tasted. I never thought I would be out here recommending a caramel. The really people tend to go for the chocolate brownie flavor or the salted malted chocolate chip cookie dough flavor. But really, this one surprised me. My favorite of them all, though, I think has to be the cinnamon snickerdoodle, which was, oh my god, it was so good. I love snickerdoodles, but I did not know how much I could love a snickerdoodle ice cream. The cinnamon they use in this I believe Tyler said they might have gone through 50 different kinds. There was some bonkers number that just blew me away, and that ice cream was so good. Honey lavender is another favorite, which is one I used to get when I went nearby when I lived there uh, because I love me some floral flavors. But I was perhaps most surprised by the Arbic 
Kenya, I hope I'm saying that right, Arpit Kenya olive oil, which always kind of freaked me out because obviously the name, but apparently the olives used here are from Oregon, specially sourced and locally sourced whenever possible, which is kind of their thing with all these ingredients. And it was milder. So it made it for a new, made it feel like a new kind of vanilla, as Tyler put it, or the ideal a la mode ice cream, which he said, and I fully agree with. They even have really cool vegan flavors, and the freckled mint chocolate chip was shockingly good. Not that vegan ice cream is bad, it just usually tastes more like coconut or a different flavor base. But not this. The coconut really melted away in the background, and all you taste is mint chip with this really, really fresh mint that just hits you from the start, and a special vegan chocolate. You can get flights and split scoops, so you can really taste your way through all of it just like we did. My visit truly reminded me of, I don't know if anyone's going to remember this core memory that perhaps only I hold, but the Rugrats episode with Ice Cream Mountain at the mini golf course. (laughs) Uh, Being here was probably the closest I will ever get to that, and it was great. Highly, highly recommend. Which brings us to our final topic of the day, which is one woman's borderline psychotic journey from Florida to Anaheim in order to see a surprise debut of Main Street Electrical Parade. Now, if you listen back to the intro on last week's podcast, you will tell that I almost let the cat out of the bag. The whiskers were peeking out of the top of the drawstring, but I I, I saved myself. I wasn't supposed to tell anyone. I didn't tell anyone. I uh, just, uh, just casually stumbled on my words a little and hoped people would figure it out. But regardless, Regardless, yeah, I had a real wild day last week, and I just want to discuss it with you because it was a journey that I have only done once before, and it was not as uh, time conscious as this one, and I somehow nailed it, and I feel like I need to like make a formal offering to Mickey Mouse to thank him for this actually going through. Now, when I was planning this quick trip to Florida, I saw an opening. There was an opening. It was a flight at like 3.30 p.m. out of Orlando. Landed it. I think it was 6.10 at LAX. I had to be at Disneyland. I had to be at the front gates of Disneyland by 8 p.m. You would think like, yeah, that's plenty of time. Two hours. But as someone who now lives in Los Angeles and understands how it works to arrive at Disneyland, I knew that I had to leave at least a half an hour from parking at, I was parking at Toy Story Parking, which I think is a little easier than the Mickey and Friends lot. So I was parking at a surface lot. I knew it would be easy to pull in because it was in the evening. Not a lot of people would be arriving then. But I had to leave a half an hour from parking to get to the gate based on the buses. If I had to run, whatever happened based on security, who knew what was going to happen? So I had to essentially get from LAX, which is a, a bit of a headache to get out of, to Disneyland in an hour and 20-ish minutes, depending on when I landed. I was down to the minute, people. It, I scheduled this out and I knew I could do it, but it would be close. And I cannot believe I pulled it off. Now, how did I pull it off? Well, two days prior, when I left to go to Florida, I pre-purchased parking in LAX, which I've never done. And I parked my car in the incorrect parking lot on purpose, scheduled it that way, so that I would have to walk further for my departing flight on a different airline. But when I landed, I would be as close to the Delta Terminal, Terminal 2, as possible. So I did not check a bag. I was very nervous getting on the plane because I was in row 30 or something. I was like main group two, which is basically the bottom, even though it sounds early. And 
I got my stuff and I raced to my car. And when I got to my car, uh, I have an electric car and it was charging and I could not get the charger out. It was very stressful. Uh, I had to Google how to do it. I had to like recharge it again, pull it out, wasted some time, hit in the road, was behind, was behind schedule because I could not get the charger out of my car. But I finally made it in. I gathered my stuff that I needed in the park. I put my suitcase in. I had to change before I was there. So I was ready to go. Had basically what I needed in my purse with me. Didn't want to forget my ID and blow anything up. So I left the airport and I started driving. I made it there. It was a miracle, except for when I had to slam on my brakes. And the bucket of popcorn I was eating, that Kite Tails bucket of popcorn, went flying across my car and was filled with popcorn. (laughs) Which was very upsetting because I wanted to eat it. But alas... I made it to Disneyland. I had high hopes of just beating my schedule so much that I'd be able to stop Portillo's and get a little hot dog. That did not happen. Uh, I pulled into, well, I pulled up to Toy Story Parking and there was a sign that said, parking lot full. Now, when you're going to Disneyland for a media event, they'll usually give you a little parking voucher or a little thing that you show when you're pulling up to the parking lot and you say, hey, I'm here for this event. I'm supposed to park here. And they say, cool, great. So I pulled up and I was like, oh no, it's full. I immediately start texting someone who works at Disneyland being like, what do I do? I got to get to the parade. And then I drive in a circle and I find another entrance to Toy Story parking. I'm in. I tell them I'm here for a media event. They go, we don't know about that. (laughs) Then someone took pity on me because they saw the panic in my eyes and they were like, just let her in. It's fine. She's here for something. Clearly, she looks like she's about to cry because there's a parade on the line. So I parked my car. I took the bus from Toy Story parking over, which was very efficient. I never usually take a bus. I always walk. Loved it. And I made it in. I got my ticket. I made it to Main Street and I got to witness the greatest show on earth. Now, it's no surprise that I love Main Street Electrical Parade. I think the soundtrack is incredible, which they, I will say, they weren't playing it too loudly. I know my friend Bree says it always causes a headache, which I think is very funny, but it wasn't too loud. It wasn't overbearing. It was exciting, but it wasn't like, oh my gosh, this Baroque hoedown down in my ears is going to melt my brain. It was wonderful. The only thing I will say is that in my memory, Main Street Electrical Parade moves a little more quickly than it does in real life. In my many memories of it, those floats are chugging down Main Street. And in reality, they were moving about three miles an hour. (laughs) So that was a surprise that I had misremembered it. I thought it was a party with all these like bugs and turtles and snails swirling around and just doing little donuts. But alas... Alas, it was slower than I thought. But something I didn't remember as clearly, which was incredible, was all the noises that all the bug floats make. I knew it, but I just, I didn't have it in the front of my memory. It just didn't live on in my brain. And hearing all the little floats just squirm in front of us and do their little circles and swirl back and forth and make like little noises like they were real creatures was, oh, phenomenal. Now, I haven't really discussed the new finale float too much with people. I appreciate that they innovated it. I think it's cool that they added new characters in it. I don't necessarily love the way the float moves, if that makes any sense. I love the design of it. And I, for one, really like the design of kind of the small world aesthetic of these characters in doll form. But you have to understand, when you're sitting on Main Street and this float moves by... The figures, so let's say Moana, let's just say Moana. Uh, Moana is kind of shaking, but not in like a cute bopping back and forth way, in a way where it's like, girl, you okay? Like, are you, like you're, you're glued to this structure, right? You're attached, you're not going to fall off. They just move in a little, in a stifled way that 
isn't as seamless as I thought it would be. It's kind of like a bobblehead that isn't uh, freely bobbling back and forth. But I think it's very cool that there are different characters and scenes on opposite sides. So I only saw half of it. So I basically have to go back and see the other side. But being there for Main Street Electrical Parade was a dream. I cannot wait to go back. I cannot wait to try all the specialty food. Oh my God, I'm so happy it's back. I'm so happy that we have a nighttime parade again. And Disneyland Forever Fireworks is back, which, ooh, ooh, I'll be honest with you, much preferred to that Mickey Mix Magic nonsense. I'm happy to come out here with a hot take and say that Mickey's Mix Magic is bad, actively bad. I do not like it. I do not enjoy it. Uh, I try to have a good time when I'm there and it's happening to not be a sourpuss, but still not, not in the top tier of shows for me. And I'm very happy that Disneyland Forever is back because it was magical. It was so magical to see Tinkerbell and Nemo just flying behind the castle and to see so much pyro that you kind of scream like, like, ah, like too many fireworks. When there are too many fireworks, that's when you know it's a good sign. So that's this week's mishmash for ya. Just a little trip recap, just rounding out some of the things that we may not have gotten to that I definitely just wanted to discuss with you. And we will be back next week with a very special interview. No hints given. But if you are a fan of the parks and if you are a fan of Disney in general, the company as a whole, you will enjoy. Uh, Stick around. We have churros calls after this. And we have some good ones. We have some good ones this week. Some might even be Muppety. Ooh. Hi, Carly. This is Amanda Williams. My son and I love your podcast. We love the D23 recap because we are going to head to Disneyland for our first time for that. But we have a very important Muppet-related question. It used to be, I believe, that you could make Muppets at F.A. Schwartz. Is there anywhere where you can customize a Muppet? Stephen, would you want to custom Muppet? Yes. Yes, of course. Wouldn't everybody? I feel like if it was a thing, you'd have one. Let us know. Love your podcast. Have a great day. Bye. Oh, Amanda, it absolutely was a thing. And I definitely have one. (laughs) Now, I need to tell you about my Muppet son, who currently sits on a shelf in my office, who I purchased at the Muppet Whatnot Workshop. Is that what it's called? Yes, the Muppet Whatnot Workshop, which was at FAO Schwartz in New York City, probably... In like the early 2010s, I believe it closed in 2015, but it was there for a handful of years. Now, I found out about this because I used to go to this tiny like East Village bar with my husband when we were dating and there was a bartender there and he told us that his girlfriend got him a Muppet version of him with a little biker jacket and like a cool guy haircut. And we were blown away by this news. So I got my husband one for his birthday. His name is Junior. And he wears a little Hawaiian shirt. He has orange skin. His mouth is wide open. He has a little Hawaiian lei. And he did all of my husband's evil bidding inside of our house for many, many years. I need you to understand before I answer your question in full that my husband would take Junior, again, name Junior, like his his mini me. And he would, while I was cooking in our teeny tiny New York kitchen, he would close the door to the kitchen and turn the lights off. So while I was there sauteing spinach or God knows what, I would turn to my left and see Junior's gigantic, terrifying eyes in the dark as everything went black and the doors were suddenly closed. So I'm a little scared of Junior. I need you to understand that as we discuss this Muppet Whatnot Workshop because it stems from a place of great admiration and absolute horrifying terror. (laughs) But 
to answer your question. Sadly, there is no more version of this. It is no longer an FAO Schwartz because FAO Schwartz closed, as we all know. And for some reason, I will never be able to explain. There is no version of the Muppet Whatnot Workshop at Disney's Hollywood Studios. This would work brilliantly outside the exit of Muppet Vision 3D within that store that never has enough Muppets merchandise. Never, ever, ever, ever. They put like artwork in there and stuff. Come on, fill it with this weird Build-A-Bear concept and you'd be good to go. Oh, right. If I haven't specified, basically Muppets Whatnot Workshop, you would go there, you would pick out your color of Muppet skin, their face, their eyes, their clothing, and you would walk away with a full-blown Muppet puppet. It It was amazing. And now, while sadly, as much as you and your child want them and it is not available, I do have one tip for you for how to to navigate those waters. There was a Muppets Whatnot Workshop kit that they sold that is on eBay. It is not cheap. It is not cheap at all. But if you start perusing, you will be able to find these, these small kind of like Muppet sets where there's different eyes and different noses and you can choose and stick them on. The one I'm looking at right now, it's called the Muppets Whatnot Workshop Puppet FAO Schwartz Blue Body Not Complete Outfit. The price is $130, which is a lot of money. But I believe the one I bought was around 100 when I got it because I remember it sent me back a pretty penny for uh, how tiny my 20-something income was at the time. But if you look around, you will be able to find full ones dressed up in an outfit, um, partially built ones. There's a lot of stuff out there on eBay, so I highly recommend looking for that. Otherwise, I pray, I pray that someone listens to this who works in merchandising at Disney World and can give us a Muppet Whatnot Workshop inside the parks. Oh, also, make sure to just search like Muppet FAO Schwartz because I just found another one that's only 50 bucks. Uh, It's just an orange one with a bunch of little pieces you can put on its face. Amazing. So yeah, that's the best advice I have for you. I'm so sorry it doesn't exist. I'm so sorry I selfishly have one. I'm so sorry the one that I have possesses an evil spirit, but I hope this was mildly helpful and that you're able to find your uh, a Muppet to bring home for you and your child. Okay. Thank you for calling, Amanda. Hi, Carly. I'm Amanda from Chicago. My friend Amy introduced me to the podcast last fall and it changed my life. I had a two-month-old at the time, and your extra-long episodes got me through some long nights. I needed those marathon-length episodes. Trust me. Anyway, my family has been DVC members since the mid-90s, so my baby girl had her first trip to Disney World at four and a half months old. I agonized over what should be her first ride and ultimately went with Peter Pan's flight, which felt a little cliche, but she fell asleep in her little baby carrier right on me as we took off to Neverland, so clearly a perfect choice. I can also imagine a future where I'm dragging her onto this ride and she's rolling her eyes as I retell the story for a million times, so very happy with this this decision. But I digress. My question for you is, setting aside all logistical hurdles and practical things, if you could take Morty to Disney World and strap him into a baby Bjorn carrier, what would you choose for his first ride? Inquiring minds need to know. Thanks. Let me tell you the scream I let out when I heard this call. So with the way the Churros Hotline works, I'm emailed a little transcript whenever anyone calls in. Otherwise, unless you're my mother, which it stopped transcribing her calls because they're too long, I think. But regardless, I did not realize until I actually listened to this voicemail that the end was about Morty. I thought you were just asking about kids in general. So I was delighted to learn that 
I was able to brainstorm what ride I would bring my young furry little son on. Now, Morty is very wiggly. He is a young Labradoodle. He has a lot of energy. So putting him in any sort of carrier or bringing him to a theme park would be a whole issue on its own. But if we're just playing pretend and we're not worrying about uh, Morty just losing his mind at all the snacks on the ground and all the people everywhere... I think I would bring him on Winnie the Pooh because I think he would really like the Tigger bouncing section. I think he would be a little surprised by it and he's very cute when he gets surprised. And also Morty's kind of confused about windows and mirrors. Like he kind of registers them but doesn't fully understand what's happening. So I think the Heffalumps section, that whole psychedelic section, would be super fun for him. And also the attraction is quite short in length, so he wouldn't be suffering throughout the ride. Granted, um, as an obsessed mother who loves to hug him, my natural inclination is like, spaceship birth, then I could be with my boy for so long. But he would hate that, so that's out. I also don't trust him in any boat ride. He would not remain with hands and feet and paws inside the boat. So Something like Winnie the Pooh seems like the best option, if not Peter Pan, because he would probably see another dog in the ride and then be like, we're kindred spirits. Anyway, I am so happy to hear you had a successful trip. I'm happy to hear you'll be dragging your child on Peter Pan for the rest of your life. That's how it should go. But just to let you know, my mom and I like to go on it together because we both enjoy it. So you might not have to worry about that going forward. Anyway, thank you to your friend Amy for bringing you our way. And thank you so much for calling. Hi, Carly. This is Brayden. First of all, love the new merch that I just got. It's so comfy, and I enjoy wearing it all the time. Second of all, my fir- I, I'm, like, from Alabama, so I've only been to Disney World, and so I'm going to Disneyland in June, but I'm also going to Disneyland Paris next year. So I was wondering, do you have any, like, important tips for Disneyland Paris and the experience there? Because not many people talk about Disneyland Paris. So I'm just wondering if you have any tips. Thank you. Oh my gosh, so exciting. I cannot wait for you to go to Disneyland Paris. It is such a special park and so unique in many ways. Some good, some not so good. Now, I went last year and did an episode on it. It's called Hello from Disneyland Paris, but it's not a guide as much as it was a status update for what visiting an international Disney park was like then. I do highly recommend you listen to it just because I do discuss attractions and uh, Disney's Hotel New York, The Art of Marvel, and other new things that were at the resort when I was there. But in terms of a straightforward planning, what to get, what to eat guide... I have not done one yet, but that doesn't mean one isn't coming before your trip. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. So definitely stay tuned and keep an eye out for that episode going forward. But in the meantime, if you are excited and you're like, I want to plan, my favorite thing to do when I go to a new Disney resort internationally is to go on their website and just look at every single thing. I'm talking every food stand every single attraction because usually I can I can watch a lot of YouTubes, I can watch a lot of Instagram stuff, but going through the actual website and looking at every single location in every single area just kind of fills me with joy and uh, that is where I really like to start my planning from. However, if you want to get into planning right now, there is one YouTuber I do recommend. I believe her handle is sam for god Oh, but the O is a zero. So it's, oh, uh, I, I looked I looked Sam up and it started playing. It's Sam, number four, capital G, zero D. And I find 
Sam to be so compelling. Before I went to Disneyland Paris, I would just walk on a treadmill and watch these videos back to back to back to back. Uh, I, I highly recommend it. There are other people, too, that I think you should watch that I will include in a guide going forward that I may or may not be doing wing, wing, nudge, nudge. But regardless, I think you should start there and just kind of poke around once you look through the website and figure out what you want to do and get excited. Have so much fun and uh, stay tuned because there's going to be much more. Okay, bye. Hi, Carly. It's Alexandria. My husband, Andrew, and I are surprising our two and four-year-olds with a trip to Disneyland to go to the Disney Junior Fun Fest that's at DCA on April 29th. The thing is, we haven't seen any updates since it was announced on March 2nd. So is it still happening? Or hopefully you might be able to help us find the answer. Thanks for all you do. We love the podcast. Bye. Hello! Yes, the Disney Junior Fun Fest is still happening on Friday, April 29th at Disney California Adventure. There hasn't really been much news since the initial Disney Parks blog post, but there is an official Facebook event page which might give you more information leading up until the event. On that page, they say that it is 10 a.m. to 4 p.m., and I would just go there and follow along to make sure that you know all the details in case anything else emerges. I will add that link in the show notes, but otherwise, I hope you have the the best vacation and have so much fun at Disney Junior Fun Fest. That's our show! Thank you all so much for listening to this special first but not last Mishmash episode. You can rate, review, and follow us on Apple Podcasts or rate and follow on Spotify. Don't know why uh, you can only review on Apple and you can't review on Spotify? Not sure. But if you're looking forward to, I don't know, you want to like send me a text message that the entire world can see, consider reviewing Very Amusing on Apple Podcasts. We thank you. And anyone else who's looking at the podcast to be like, should I listen to this? Also thanks you. I know that they didn't say it directly to you, but I know in my heart they did. They know, I know, we both know. You can give us a call morning, day, night, the 3 a.m. when you're just looking for a snack in the fridge at 747 Churros. Let us know anything you're thinking, feeling, wondering, questioning about theme parks and beyond. I got a few more calls this week about travel advice following the one from Brooklyn, uh, from Coney Island specifically this past week. Um, I am happy to answer questions. I didn't answer this week because I have so much to say. I have to, I have to block out more time to write it out, but I am happy to provide uh, travel suggestions or thoughts or anything along those lines. Truly, whatever you want to know, just give me a call. Give me a ring-a-ding and I'll get you back. You can also send a voice note via text to 747churros or email it to 747churros at gmail.com. We got you. We're all over the net. All over the net, like it's like it's 1997. We're all over the net. Come make sure to download our podcast at an internet cafe. Uh, merchandise, very amusing merchandise, is on its way back. We are about to have pre-orders ship out. Things are starting to arrive. I will also be replenishing the site once all those pre-orders are shipped out. So stay tuned for more merch. Uh, if you're listening to this in the future, 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 check out very-amusing.com, and we might have some very cool stuff on the site for you, including wonderful sweatshirts and t-shirts and other things that are joyous to wear to the parks. You can follow me at Carly Wiesel on Twitter, on Instagram, begrudgingly on TikTok. And you can join my Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Carly Wiesel. We are the family. We are one. We love theme parks. We love skim milk frothed up. And we're much more than that. But that is kind of what our interests boiled out to. This episode was edited gingerly by Jeff Fox. Thanks so much for listening. See you real soon.
sweetie, it's mom. Okay, this might be just my favorite, very amusing episode ever. First of all, Chris, I didn't know his name was Chris. I think when I even write on his TD Explorer, I say like TD. I didn't know his name was Chris. But anyway, he is so delightful. I watch all his videos because he goes in a store and he doesn't just like zoom through all the merchandise. He stops at each item, which is, I love that. But I would never private message him to get one. Don't worry. I would never do that. Thought about it, but I would never do it. But he's really sweet, and he explained the Toy Story, the new hotel, so nice that I'm dying to go because I can picture you and I in matching pajamas with our matching slippers, our very amusing sweatshirts, running down the hall to the mirror in the toy box and taking pictures. I love that. I love that. I want to do this, and hopefully one day we will go to Tokyo. I know that we were trying, but under the circumstances, we're going to have to wait a little bit longer. Okay, now to my favorite part of the podcast. I'm sorry, Chris, yours was great, but this is good. Tammy, Tammy, my darling. Oh, my God. So this is going to be for Tammy and friends. You made my day. I was crying when I heard that. I only played it back like three or four times. I want you to know I love you. I am so proud of you, Tammy. You picked up the phone. You called. You made an old lady's day really, really nice. I feel so good because I didn't really think. I thought Charlie maybe was hiding some of these little call-ins because I said not one person out of all these thousands of people. Nobody called. So I kind of felt bad. And then when Tammy, you, you, you saved the day. I was so excited to get your message. You are such a sweetheart. You are so full of love, and I'm proud of you, Tammy, and I love you, honey. There's always room for one more. And then I just wanted to say, Carly, yes, you do scream at me, but that would not stop me from being on the podcast. Instead, because you yell at me, you should have me on. Okay, that's all I'm going to say about that. I don't want to upset you. But then I thought it was done, and I got my beautiful, beautiful message from Tammy. And then Miguel called in, and yes, I would probably go on podcast to ride. That's that cute guy with the blondish, whitish hair and the girl. Yeah, they're great. They're very cute. I don't know their names, but they're very nice. And, yes, I would show up anywhere somebody wanted me. So, yes, I would do that. But I would do it with Carly. It would be more fun. So I just want to say this was the best podcast. This made my day. I'm having the best day. You guys are great. I thank you so much, Tammy and Miguel, for calling in. You guys are awesome. I love you, my darling Carly. This was a great podcast. Best week ever. I love you. Bye, guys.